0: I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start off in verse 26 in just a few moments. And the title of today's message is, What Did Mary Know? I read a news article on Friday that I thought was very interesting. It said over 35 to 40% of pastors in the United States decided to cancel church this morning because it was Christmas Day. And the excuse was kind of to allow them to spend time with their families. And I thought that was very odd. I thought that of any day that people should come to church and be with their family, it's to celebrate the reason for this season, right? Even pastors within our own um, district here in Wisconsin, many of them um, decided to forego services today. So I want to thank you, all for coming today, because I think it's very important for us to be in the house of God this morning. And this morning, we're going to continue some of the thoughts that we had from the previous week. If you wanted to listen to last week's message, it's on the uh, podcast. Um, And this morning, we're going to continue with some of those same thoughts, where we considered Mary, the mother of Jesus, last week, and how she treasured many of the Um, many of the things that were said about Jesus around the time that he was born. And we're going to continue that study into Mary this morning and looking at what did Mary know about what God was calling her to do. And that's what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father's David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Father, as we study the life of Mary, and we study the circumstances surrounding the birth of your son, I ask, Father, that you give us the same kind of heart that she had this morning, a heart that simply said, may it be as you have said, I am your servant. Father God, as we explore her life, help us to have that same kind of heart this morning. I ask this in your name. Amen. And the central thing I want to look at is that We see that Mary was indeed special. She was special enough that the Holy Spirit decided her story was important enough to include it in the canon of Scripture. We see it that it's in the Bible, so God thought it was important that we should get to know her and study her. And I know some may feel a little uncomfortable with that if you came from certain religious backgrounds, but we're not venerating her. We're not worshiping her. We're not praying to her or believing that she was forever without sin as Christ was, as some believers believe. But what we do see in the life of Mary is that she shows us an example of what God can do in a willing vessel. And what that is what I want to focus on this morning. So what did Mary know? Well, the first thing that we see that Mary knew was that she was chosen. I want you to consider for a moment the time that she was in. One of the prophecies in the Bible, and and when you read the Old Testament, you see all the prophecies talking about a child that would come eventually. And the child had to come from a very exact lineage and ancestry that was set up in the past in the Old Testament scriptures. And when you consider that, it was likely that there was only probably maybe, a dozen or two females in all of Israel that met any of these requirements, much less all of them. You can see her Mary's lineage in Luke chapter three, where the Greek physician Luke records Mary's lineage and ancestry, versus the lineage that we see in Matthew, which Matthew, being a Hebrew tax collector, follows the traditional means of tracing ancestry and following the father's family. And what they both show is that both Mary and Joseph were descendants of Abraham. They were descendants of Jacob, also known as Israel. And they were also descendants of King David. At at King David, their family tree split, so they were distant cousins. While Joseph follows down through David's son Solomon, Mary follows through David's son Nathan. And the reason that this is so important is that God made promises to each one of these people very special promises. He told Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky. He told the same thing, very similar things to Jacob. And to David, he said that his heir would be someone special. And in David's case, God promised him that eventually his descendant would sit on the throne in Jerusalem forever. So God protected that promise. Throughout all the history of the Jews, he protected it, and it was not easy. If you consider all the wars, all the captivities, all the judgments, the scattering of the Jews throughout all the world, there probably weren't a lot of females That had that pure bloodline that would follow from David, even David, down to Mary at that point. Not only that, but there probably weren't that many females who had the right kind of heart and character to be able to carry the Son of God. But God did protect that, He nurtured it, He made sure that Mary was in a position for his plan to be accomplished. And if you consider for a moment everything that could have gone wrong with God's plan, think of everything that could have gone wrong. I was surprised it would even work. There's a book out there called The God Who Risks. And although I don't um, agree with some of the, the theories that that author produces, he did say God certainly took a lot of risks in the Bible with people. And a few other considerations. What if Mary's ancestral family had settled somewhere other than Nazareth? What if Joseph and Mary didn't even like each other? Chose not to get married. What if you look down at the genealogies and the, that lineage I was talking about? What if one chain in that ancestral length had been broken? God's plan of salvation immediately derails. And by the way, on Joseph's side, it came down to one boy. One person, there were one person away from losing the whole thing. A little boy named Joash was hidden in a temple when there was an evil queen that wanted to purge the entire bloodline of David. They hid this boy Joash, in a temple for seven years until he was ready to take the throne. There are hundreds of things that could have gone wrong, but they didn't. So what do we take away from this? Is that Mary was chosen. Mary was protected. And Mary was kept for such a time to bring forth God's promise to the world. And you know what else? God does the same thing for you and I this morning. He has protected you. He has a plan and a mission for you. You've all been chosen for the kingdom of God for such a time as this. Every single one of you has something that God wants you to do for him. All the good, all the bad, all the suffering that we've gone through in our lives brought you to this specific time to serve his kingdom in a very specific way. God has a plan. The second thing we see is that Mary knew was that God was with her. There's a fact about Mary. That might be a little uncomfortable to our 21st century minds. But Mary was probably 13 when Gabriel spoke this over her. That was the traditional Jewish age that um, girls would get married. She was 13 years old. Probably 14 when Jesus was born. Because of the religious art from the Renaissance, we have this image in our minds That Mary was this woman in her late 30s or 40s. They never really show her as a teenage girl. Girls married around 13. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, today we can't get teenagers to put down a phone and help with the dishes. Much less get ready to start running a household and building a family. And not only is Mary facing starting a new family, if you think about the time she is in, they're under Mosaic law. Their faith, she is in the middle of the betrothal part of a Jewish marriage. That is what we would call the engagement. That she has not actually consummated her relationship yet. So if she's found to be pregnant. The law of Moses demands she be taken to the town gate and stoned to death by the entire village. Because she would have committed adultery and fornication. All this had to be on her mind as she considers the words of the archangel. And that is why her response is what made her so special. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary, even at 13 years old, knew that even if this made no sense, she didn't question God. She knew that this would most likely mean she would be permanently, at the very least, permanently shunned from her village. She would be driven out and sent somewhere else, if not executed for being with a child out of wedlock and lose her husband. She would be absolutely destroyed if God's promise came true to her. But she trusted God. And he, she knew that he was with her. And what that shows us today is that God may have a calling on your life. He does have a calling on your life. He has something he has uniquely prepared you for. It may seem for some people that your time has run out. Maybe you're too old, you're too infirm, it's too late for God to use you. But let me give you some good news. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You can't possibly mess it up enough where God still can't use you. If you continue to resist, if you continue to to say, put it off till tomorrow, the scope of what he can do through you may be reduced, but he can still use you. God can use even the most broken vessel and reshape it into something that he can use. If you, like Mary, believe that he is with you. The third thing Mary knew is that she was a vessel. As I was thinking about this Christmas group of messages, I was thinking just how it must feel for women to to, be, to carry and bear young. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I know the science behind it, of course. I know, I've delivered babies. I, I know all that kind of stuff. But actually, feeling a child growing inside you, feeling a kick or a, a child rolling over, is something only females can experience. Now, imagine feeling all that, knowing that you're, what you're carrying is actually the God of the universe who decided to come and have a human experience. Imagine that kind of feeling. Being a a male, I can't really understand it fully, but I imagine it had to be overwhelming for Mary at times. She's carrying God around with her. Even to the point of her cousin Elizabeth's child, John the Baptist, leaping inside Elizabeth's womb when Mary drew close to her. Because he recognized, that's the one I get to proclaim. As soon as I can like, get out of here and start walking, he is going to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. Mary knew she had that unique privilege of carrying God with her. But you know what? So do you. So do you. After rising from the dead, and a few days before Jesus ascends into heaven... The Apostle John records in John 20, verse 22, it says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. And if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, your God, your Savior, and your King, you, like Mary, are carrying God with you. Before Jesus left this earth, He restored what had been lost in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and became naked, no longer clothed with the presence of God within them and upon them. A Christian is supposed to be a vessel that carries God's Spirit with them into the world so that other people can see God and be saved. Not only do we carry God, but we also carry His power With us. In Acts chapter 2, starting verse 2, it says, Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, the Father reestablishing the full connection with humanity. He's always desired to live inside us once again and to be upon us in power. In other words, to be like Mary, carrying the very God we worship inside of us so that we can birth more Christians as we come across them and they see Jesus through our witness. The last thing I want to point out to us this morning is that Mary did know this. Fear not. You imagine having, we don't know how big Gabriel was standing before her, but you imagine just the presence of one of God's archangels just appearing to you. How awesome and frightening that would be. And yet his word to her was fear not. The Lord is with you. I want to end it with this point because people only often only remember the first few minutes and the last few minutes of a sermon. So I wanted to leave you this morning on Christmas with the same pronouncement. Fear not. Even if it seems like there's no hope of God ever ever intervening in your struggles, I would tell you fear not even if you hear the news about wars and rumors of wars, God would say to you this morning, fear not. Even when they're predicting power grid failures this last week, God would say unto you, fear not. Even when they predict things like winter bomb cyclones, you know somebody had to make that up for this, just this storm, God would say, fear not. Even when the news constantly talks about food shortages and famines, God would say, fear not. Even when it seems our own government wants to turn on its citizens sometimes, God would say, fear not. Whatever is troubling to you today, whatever is keeping you from, the exper- to, from experiencing the fullness of the joy of the Lord this morning, The Lord would say to you today, fear not, for I am with thee. Let my rod and my staff comfort thee, the Lord would say. Fear not. Fear not. Father God, I would ask, Father, that you would create within each one of us the same kind of heart that Mary had, a heart that is willing to be used of you, a heart that trusts you, a heart that that no matter what rises up against us in this world, we would not fear it. But we know that you are walking beside us. If God is for us, who can be against us?